Jesus encountering the, his, the multitude as he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. This past Wednesday, we looked at verses 5, 6, and 7 specifically as leading into this teaching. But I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer this morning in this season of fasting and prayer, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. And it says, Therefore, do not be like them. The them he's talking about are hypocrites and uh, the heathens that he'd referenced, those that do it for public display or just vain repetitions. He says, Don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God heard this morning and God we thank you for your teaching us how to pray. And that God, that Lord, that as we dive into this this morning, that God, that you will help us to see what your vision, what your goal is for each and every one of us this morning. And so God, I pray that as we come and surrender our, our lives, our, our desires, our, our directions, our plans, and we surrender all of those things to you, oh, that God, that you will just move in a, in a mighty way, God, in our midst and through your word. God, let your anointing, God, be poured out upon each and every one of us, not only to hear your word, but to receive it and to apply it. God, we love you, and we, Lord, seek your face this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. A new year comes with it. Many times for individuals, it comes with it resolutions. How many of you have made a New Year's resolution or resolutions? Just let me see your hand. Okay, a couple of you. Let me ask it a different way. How many of you have made New Year's, you have goals for 2020? You have sat down and said, these are my goals for 2020. Do you have goals for 2020? Okay. (laughs) I heard someone say, I just want to survive 2020. How's that? (laughs) <laughs> we, we have we come to this place and and new year the new calendar brings with it this looking back but also looking forward on this second sunday of of the new year maybe we've already kind of finished the looking back and and we've already and by the show of hands we've already started looking forward and, and we have these goals or these resolutions, if you would. I heard uh, Pastor Zach shared with uh, our students this past Wednesday, I think, that uh, the five most common uh, resolutions or goals for a new year. It's going to be, I'm going to lose weight. Help me out here. You remember? Uh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to get a new job. Go back to school and get a degree, and there's another one. If you think of it, let me know. I didn't remember it either, and I didn't ask him uh, ahead of time. Oh, that's his goal. (laughs) Oh, uh, uh, start a family is a a goal that goes in there somewhere too. 
Yeah, oh Lord. <laughs> I don't know who said that. <laughs> Garland, you're done. I promise you. And so when we, when, we, when we think about resolutions and goals, we, we have those things that we put our mind to that we want to be able to do. Sometimes resolutions or goals include exercising or to be healthier. That includes our lifestyle or maybe to be more organized or uh, whatever it may be. It falls into these different categories that we see that we want God to, to help us as Christians to be able to accomplish these things. One of the things that... Uh, kind of just a, a life goal or just a constant objective in my life has always been, number one, I want to be able to endure in the faith, to be able to make it to heaven, and that as a pastor, I want to help as many people make it to heaven with me, okay? That has always been kind of one of my goals uh, that uh, as an adult that has kind of just, it doesn't change from year to year. It's just kind of a constant thing. But I was challenged this week, and then I'll go ahead and kind of tell you that that is no longer my life goal. Now, some of y'all are panicking in a moment. My pastor just said his goal is no longer to make it to heaven. That is not what I said. <laughs> but I'll explain as we go through the sermon this morning. The Lord's Prayer tells us, he says, you know, part of, as, the Lord, as, as Christ begins the Lord's Prayer, there in verse 10, if you'll put verse 10 back up there for us, and, and he, he makes this declaration uh, as he says, he, he says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it kind of raises this question about if we're going to ask for uh, God for his kingdom to come, what exactly does that mean? I mean, and so we think about your kingdom come. What does that pertain? How does that pertain to our lives? How does that pertain to how we live? Uh, and, and I can't help but think of, of my uh, golden retriever, Levi. Uh, Levi uh, does, he, he's fairly well trained. Um, and I say fairly. Uh, the other day, some, uh, he went outside, uh, me and someone else were outside, and we let him out and didn't have a leash on. And and he went and, and he did his business and, and I was able to call him to come and guess what he did without any hesitation. He gladly came from where he was across the driveway over back over to me and he just and he stood right there and I said, come on, let's go inside. And, and he went right on inside and didn't have to fuss, didn't have to yell, nothing like that. He did great. He was very obedient. The person marveled at, oh wow, he really, he obeys. And I said, yeah, he does. He will come and obey any time as long as there's not another dog, a cat, a chipmunk, a squirrel, or a bird anywhere around. If any of those things are around, all bets are off. And so but that, think about that command, though. When I called for Levi to come to me, he did. He, he came and he obeyed and he, his, his physical location went from there to here. And so I, I can't help but think that it is by no coincidence that uh, Jesus is, is teaching on prayer. And as he begins after uh, the, the praise of the introduction of his prayer, he moves into his supplication, if you would. His request of God. And, and Josh, if you would just stand, stand right here for me for just a second. 
And so that, that here, if Josh is not the bad guy today, he's God today, okay? I've made it. <laughs> 2020, that's right. It's a new year. All right, so... Uh, so here it is, that here's God, and, and it, Jesus, of course, uh, you know, we celebrated his birth and his arrival, and, and, but of course, Jesus, it, is, it was the Trinity, it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in heaven, and of course, God sent his, his one and only Son to earth. And so earth becomes representative over here. And so that Jesus came and he lived and dwelled and, and he was teaching and he's standing uh, there and he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And, and he's, he's teaching about prayer. He's making this praise to God there in verse 9. And then here in verse 10 he says, Oh God, let your kingdom come. It is this beckoning of Christ, this beckoning of the kingdom of God to no longer be in heaven only, but to also be on earth. And it is here that we begin to see this greater context of what it really means for the, when we talk about and use the phrase, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Thank you, Pastor Josh. The kingdom of God is also kind of called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, uh, you know, it is this uh, spiritual realm where God reigns as king. It is also kind of used to be able to describe the fulfillment of God's will here on earth. In fact, Jesus even prays that as part of this verse. He says what? He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I were going to give you the Adam translation of verse 10 or the second part of it, it would say, uh, God, let your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Because that's, the, that's kind of what's being insinuated. That's, what's being, that's the tone here. It's not of, uh, the, the, the will of God being done on earth is a future, it's a request for God, let it be so. Uh, but there's this declaration or this statement oh, that his will already is in existence in heaven. And so now, all of a sudden, we, we put all of this together and we realize that when Jesus was, was praying this and he's saying, God, let your kingdom come to earth and so that your will can be done here on earth as it already is in heaven. In other words, can you please help us to help heaven be realized here on earth? According to the Lord's prayer, oh, it is heaven, please come to the earth. It is, oh, let your kingdom come. Let the earth already be, or let the earth be as heaven already is. And so my goal for 2020 is not just about saying, God, I want to make it to heaven and I want as many people to go with me as possible. Oh, but rather my goal uh, for 2020 has become, oh, God, let heaven come and invade my life and let it invade as many people's lives as possible around me because I don't have to wait until I get to heaven to experience him and his glory and his will. You see, all of a sudden, we begin to realize the ramifications of what that change or that tweaking of that becomes. I don't want to just, uh, just look ahead of, of God's glory of when I get to heaven, but God, oh Lord, let it be realized here and now as much as possible. When we think about the kingdom of God, uh, that if we really think about it, the kingdom of God or the story of the kingdom of God really is the Bible. The Bible really is the story of his kingdom. 
Think about it. In Genesis, how does the kingdom of earth begin? Or how does the earth begin? It has begun with God creating it. He places Adam and Eve there. And what is it? It is a paradise. The Garden of Eden is a place where they are living and they are dwelling and they are, uh, they are present with God. They're having daily fellowship with Him and it is a true place of God's presence. It becomes heavenly-like, doesn't it? But of course, sin entered into the world. And because that sin entered into the world, that utopia or that paradise or that heavenly garden was broken. And so then we fast forward to the book of Revelation. In Revelation, uh, it's interesting to look at John's Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 21 with me for just a moment. In verses 10 and 11, this is how the Bible is ending. And in and, and John's vision that God gives him, he says, and he, the angel, he's talking about an angel. And he's, he's, the angel is saying to John in the vision, let me show to you the lamb, the bride of Christ. And in verse 10 he says, and the angel carried him away, or John away in the spirit. I mounted and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. What he's seeing here is this magnificent vision of this new Jerusalem. And it is a picture of heaven and the glory of God. And it is coming down to earth. The new Jerusalem coming down to a new earth. In fact, he goes on and as he continues in chapter 22, this vision of what he's seeing of this new Jerusalem. And it says, and the angel showed him a river in chapter 22, verse 1. With the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it flowed down the center of the main street and on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month let me pause just right here for just a second y'all remember genesis don't you when, when God created the heavens and the earth and he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it, the Bible says that he, there in the garden were uh, some great rivers. And I think it was four great rivers. And he named where they go. And, uh, and, and so in two of those, the Tigris and the Euphrates. And, and, and so he names those rivers. And, of course, he places the tree of life in that garden. Now all of a sudden, we, the Bible started there in this paradise. And now we are here in Revelation. And God is giving this vision of a new Jerusalem coming down to earth. And we're seeing a tree of life. And this river again and these fruit, uh, this, uh, the crops of fruit. And, and it says the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine upon them and they will reign forever and ever. All of a sudden, we begin to see that, oh, when we declare and we say the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is more than just about what's going on in our own little sphere of circle, our own little family, our own little home. We're talking about a prayer request, oh, that extends to the beginning of time and to the end of time. We're asking God, saying, God, oh Lord, let us come back to that place where the curse of sin broke the fellowship and the presence of God. And, and, and all of a sudden we had to be separated. God, oh Lord, let heaven come and invade me and invade my life and my heart and my mind. And Lord, let me experience that. You see, because if we say, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What exactly does that look like for you and I? We're going to look at 
three things very quickly. I'm aware of what time it is. Three things very quickly of what that looks like to answer God to, to really for us to pray that God let your kingdom come. Let heaven come and be within me. The first thing is dwell. Dwell literally God with us. That we are asking God to dwell with us. There is this dwelling that God has declared. And let's think about it. In the Garden of Eden, where was God fellowshipping? He was with Adam and Eve. Let's think about the Old Testament and the tabernacle. Everything that was in the tabernacle all pointed to what? It all pointed to God. It all pointed to relationship with God to the point that even in the Holy of Holies, where was it that God dwelled with the people of Israel? It was in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. And so, the ta- so we see the Garden of Eden. It was God dwelling with Adam and Eve. With the tabernacle, it was God with us. And then, of course, we just celebrated Christmas. And Jesus, his name is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And so Jesus comes and he dwells here on earth to show, help point and show the way. And so that the story of the kingdom of God is really, uh, it comes back to uh, that we are desirous, God, we want you to dwell with us just like he was in the Garden of Eden, just like he did in the Old Testament tabernacle, just like uh, he did as he uh, sent his only son to this earth as through Jesus Christ. And, and then we even go forward and, and after Jesus ascends, the day of Pentecost, maybe we, we, we have to understand that his presence did not depart when Jesus ascended, oh, but rather it was the day of Pentecost where the Spirit was poured out, and once again, it is God with us. What is our prayer? What is our goal for 2020? Oh, you see, oh, from the Garden of Eden to the Old Testament tabernacle to the coming of Christ to the day of Pentecost and even to the scriptures that we've already read about Revelation. It is all about the new, uh, the presence of heaven, the kingdom of heaven becoming manifested and realized on earth. Is it really our prayer that in 2020 we want God to dwell with us? Dwell with us. Dwell. That God wants us to be dwelling with God and that kingdom of God becomes manifested. And so dwelling is one way that we have to, when we pray, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. It it means that we're asking God to come and dwell. Second thing is dominion. Dominion literally means is that God rules. Does God rule our lives? When we are saved, we, we become vessels of God, and, and, and God enters into our life, and, and, he, he, and we have to ask ourselves, have I given him dominion in every single area? This season, as we begin the year, we're talking about fasting, and, and, and we're not just praying, but we are laying things down. And, and for each of us, those are different things, and, and, and those are private things between us and the Lord. And, 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 but ultimately, the exercise of fasting is part about us saying to God, Oh Lord, you have dominion over every area of my life, more so than food, or more so than social media, or more so than coffee, or sugar, or whatever it may be. And that well, we say, God, you are the one that has dominion over my life. 
becomes an exercise of faith of saying, God, oh, I want you to rule over me and over my thoughts and over everything that I do. And, and, and so as God dwells within us, we have to remember that he doesn't just want to come and dwell within us but, and he have dominion within us, but he wants us to be his ambassadors, his, his regents, if you would, his representatives. And, and, and so within that, we become his hands extended here on this earth. In a true kingdom regent, if you would, or ambassador or representative, carries with them the same power as the one that they are representing. Do we walk with that kind of spiritual authority in our lives? Do we truly allow God to to, to have this dominion upon us? If we're going to pray, oh God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Part of that kingdom and part of that will is us being able to say, God, I want to be your representative. I want to be your regent. I want to exercise God's dominion here on earth and let that dominion be exercised through me. That means that there's going to be a standard that we live by. It means that we're going to be able to be obedient to God's word. It means that we're going to be able to say, God, if you have dominion over me and I'm your representative, oh, then I want my life to be as close as it possibly can be to representing who you are. Think about it for just a moment. In Genesis, Adam and Eve, God gave them dominion over the garden. Didn't he? We think about, of course, as we go through that, and, and specifically he was using Adam and Eve to bring order into the chaos. He was using them to bring light into the darkness. And, and we think about even the, tab- the Old Testament tabernacle and, and that holy of holies and where God's presence dwelled. But he, he used that dwelling to be able to send a message to the, to the Israelites to say, Hey, you are my people and there is a standard by which I am calling you to live. And that you are to bring light into a dark world. And that you are to be able to help bring order into the chaos of the devil and what he is trying to do around you. We continue and we go forward. And of course, Jesus, he comes and he comes and dwells here upon the earth. And, and it is through Christ that, uh, that we uh, begin to see that not only is he literally the light of the world that has come to dwell among us, but it is through Christ that there is dominion and that the authority of God is manifested and realized. And it is uh, like Eden and like the tabernacle. He te- Jesus tells his followers as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, his final instruction is before he leaves he tells them to go the great commission he tells them to go and when he tells them to go he tells them to what he says go into all the world and as you go make disciples and as you go baptize in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost and as you go and as you make disciples and as you baptize teach them those things that i have commanded you in other words The command of Christ to every single one of us is to go and to represent him, to go and to operate in the dominion of God, in the authority of God in every area. Now, that doesn't mean that you can wait tomorrow and you can tell your boss, hey, Jesus lives in me and Jesus has given me the dominion and the power and the authority of heaven. And so right now you're fired. That's not what we're talking about. Although some of you wish it was.
Except for Zach, of course. <laughs> and so we, we have to, to realize that the calling that God has placed upon our life is so much greater and higher than what we allow it to be. That there are these times that we get so distracted by, I'll use Levi's connection, and we get so distracted by squirrels and chipmunks and other dogs and cats and all those kinds of things that we fail to hear the command of God come. And God is saying, the, the, the Lord's Prayer hasn't changed. And the heartbeat of Christ is supposed to be the heartbeat that we have. And that as we come, as we begin 2020, and as we, if we really are going to say, God, I want heaven to invade me, and I want, oh, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, then it has to be willing, us being willing to hear and to say, God, I want to bring the kingdom of God to the earth, and I want to be used by you, God, and I want to operate in that dominion. I want to operate in that to power. God, I want your rule and your authority that is already present in my life life help work through me into the areas around me and let me make a spiritual difference in the people that I come in contact with and the great news is he doesn't just abandon us to do that all on our own the day of Pentecost when God came to dwell within us through the power of the Holy Ghost it is the purpose of the power of the Holy Ghost upon our lives to be able to step out with boldness and to be able to operate in the way that God wants us to to truly function in the dominion and the spiritual authority that God intended for every single one of us to live with so when we say God let your kingdom come let your will be done. Do not take that sentence lightly. But rather say, God, I'm truly sincere in that, God, I want kingdom of heaven to invade earth. And I want it to be done through me. Let my spiritual authority walk with the dominion like it never has. In the third and final area and way that when we ask God for his kingdom to come, we want him to dwell we want there to be a dwelling. We want there to be a dominion. And we're asking God, let there be a dynasty. Because we understand that God is eternal. And that if nothing else comes out of connecting the Garden of Eden with Revelations 21 and 22, and the picture of the New Jerusalem, it is the understanding that God's reign is forever and ever and ever, and ever. Meaning that there, there, is, there is no end. That, and, and, and in this no end, it means that he's using us. And so that as the calendar year changes, while we may not know what 2020 holds in front of us, one thing we do know is that it will have ups and downs, don't we? Every year does. My prayer and my hope for every single one of us is that, like we talked about last week, that 2020 is a year of joy. Choosing joy. 
But in those ups and downs of life that we can say that there is something, there is someone who is constant, and that is God. And when we are asking God, oh Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We are saying, God, I want something eternal to become more important to me than something that is earthly. And all of a sudden, our values and our priorities begin to change. That we understand the dynasty of God is eternal. But guess what? These clothes, they will wither away and die. They will perish. The monies that we have in our bank accounts are the monies that we don't have in our bank accounts. They're not eternal. The weight loss that is the number one resolution for people. Unfortunately, what happens most of the time when we lose weight? It's a matter of time. We gain it right back, don't we? <laughs> Tina reminded me that, praise God, in eternity we get new bodies, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> All of those New Year's resolutions of more money or, uh, or losing weight or exercising more or getting more organized or whatever the case may be, oh, those things are limited. They are uh, they are uh, corruptible, or they are, uh, they are definitely not eternal. But when we realize that God, when I'm saying, God, let your kingdom come, it means that I'm asking God to change my priorities and my values. That I'm more concerned about the dynasty of God forever reigning and his, eternal, and his eternity and his eternal presence uh, that ultimately that I can come to this place of saying, God, that's what I want more than anything else. I'm reminded this morning of the cry of Moses. And as the musicians begin to make their way to the instruments this morning. I want to look at Exodus chapter 33. And in Exodus 33, this is God and, and Moses having a conversation. And God is telling Moses and to, to lead the people of Israel away from Sinai. He's telling them to go. And in this conversation, he says, beginning in verse 13, Moses says, Therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And God says to him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so then Moses says back to God, if, if your presence does not go with us, do not Bring us up from here. In other words, if your presence isn't going with us, 
don't let us leave from here. In verse 16, he continues. He says, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except if you go with us? And so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And so this is the Lord's response to Moses. And he says, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses says to God, please, show me your glory. I don't know what your goal or your vision for 2020 is. But for me, my goal and my vision is no longer, God, help me to make it to heaven and lead as many people as I can to make it to heaven with me. But rather, my goal is, God, show me your glory. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let heaven invade earth through me. Let heaven invade earth through Livonia Church of God. Because guess what's going to happen when God's glory does that? All of a sudden, there begin to be miracles. There begin to be breakthroughs. There begin to be things that are unexplained by man's own understanding. All of a sudden, in that moment, we begin to see God moving in such a way that, I mean, can you imagine, oh, the joy in the world to fill if we're able to see the kingdom of heaven realized here on earth in just a little bit of ways. That's what God's working towards. That's what God's, we read the end of the book, don't we? Revelation 21 and 22 tells us his ultimate goal is God, let the kingdom of heaven, let the city of the new Jerusalem come to the new earth. And so until that day, guess what I want to be a part of? I want to be a part of saying, God, oh, let there be a dwelling of God and his glory in my life. Let there be a dwelling of God in this place and in your lives. God, let there be a dominion of God and a ruling and authority as we surrender everything to him. And then we say that, God, we want to be used by you. And as we do, we're more careful or more considerate of the eternal than we are the right now. Being driven by eternity doesn't mean that we're so heavenly minded, as they say, that we're no earthly good. But what it means is that we have nothing, everything else pales in comparison than to keep God first and to say, God, I want to live and operate in your spiritual power and authority. If you would stand with me this morning.